Welcome to the podcast of Rainbow Family Christian Center with Pastors Horace and Patricia Drumming. We would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray that you are impacted, inspired, and encouraged by the Word of God. Let's check out today's message. It's about writing vision. It's so important that you have this written word with you. And we talked about other things, and I won't try to go back and summarize the entirety of that message, but we're talking about things that are essential. And the one thing that the Lord pressed on my heart, and he said, you preached this already, but nobody heard it. It's like, really? He says, no. He says, you preach on hearing the voice of God. He says, if you had to do a quiz today and say, name two of the seven things that are essential to hear the voice of God. He says, you won't have many people that would raise their hand that would remember even two of those seven points. And so, how many of you know you sometimes you have to go back and say something that you've already said? Parent, anybody in here a parent? Can you say amen? Parents, is there something that you had to say to your child that you know that you have said to your child already? And sometimes it's it many times during the course of the day that you're saying what? The same thing to your child. Because what you're trying to do is to get them to what? Here, and not only here, you're trying to get them to be what? Proactive and start to take that and put it into motion. And so God is trying to get us to start putting things in motion. See, the premise of this is, and we won't go there, but I'll mention it. In Genesis, when you get to the first book of the Bible, Genesis, the first chapter in that Bible, you're going to find something that's continuous. At least ten times, you're going to hear this, and God said, and God said, and God said. At least 10 times, you'll be able to circle in your Bible, and God said. Now, why, why am I saying that? Because that implies to you and I as human beings that God speaks. Say that with me. God speaks. And guess what? He speaks to you. He speaks to you. Don't just think that you have to be in a pulpit for God to speak to you. God speaks to all his children. You are, if you're a child of God, wave your hand. Let God know you're in the house today. Well, God speaks to you. It's not just Pastor Horace that God speaks. It's not just a, 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 a prophet or an apostle or an evangelist or a pastor or a teacher that God speaks. God speaks to all of his children. God speaks to every one of us. Hallelujah. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I'm thankful that God speaks. Here's the thing that you have to do, though. You have to be mindful that you surrender it all to God. Because God's going to speak to you, and he just wants you to surrender and know that he's there to speak to you. He's there to guide you. He's there to direct you. He's there to order your steps. God's there to help you. God's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. God wants you to know he's there to the very end. One of the things that I like about reading the Bible, in the book of Exodus, we have this story of a man named Moses, and you know that Moses. I always, when I, I think about Moses, I think 40, 40, 40. 40 years he spent in the palace of Pharaoh. Forty years he spent on the backside of the desert. And then 40 more years he spent in the desert. 
But one thing that you find about Moses when you go to Exodus chapter 3, Exodus chapter 4, Exodus chapter 2, uh, 3 rather, in the first two verses, God speaks to Moses. And he says to Moses, take off your shoes. You're standing on holy ground. Matter of fact, he stops him and gets him to realize he had to take some things off. How many of you know in your life you're going to have to take some things off? I'm not talking about clothing here. There's just some things that you've been trying to get dressed in, some ways that you've been trying to live, some activities that you've been, you're just going to have to take that off and approach God. So God stops Moses. He says, stop. Take that off. There's a place that we've gone that God has not wanted us to go. How many of you have been to some places that you know that God didn't want you to go? And so then, when you get over to the fourth chapter, God asked him, as a matter of fact, go to Exodus chapter 4. Let's, let's just turn there. It's better for you to see some of these things. Pastors read them over and over and over again, and so I, I speak sometimes without getting you to see that you need to turn in your Bibles there too. Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? And he replied, a staff. Then the Lord said, Throw it down on the ground. And Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. Next verse. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand, take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. Now we're talking, and I'm emphasizing, there are some things that you have to throw down. And now, this is one of the weird stories in the Bible for me. You know, the man's got a staff. I meant to bring my staff. I've got one in my office. And he had a staff, and he's holding this staff. And the staff represents three things. It represents his identity. It represents his income. And it represents his influence. There's something about all of us, our, our, our identity our income, our influence. See, this staff, when people saw a shepherd, they knew immediately he's a shepherd. They could see by the number of flock that they had how much influence and income that this man possibly had. But God was saying, look, you're not going to be able to live based on your identity, based on your income, based on what you think you can influence. You're going to have to throw that down. And the Bible says when he threw it down, it turned into a snake. And the folks, every time you hear of a snake in the Bible, what is it trying to get you to point to? What, what is the snake generally indicating? Evil. We, 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 we hear him being called the serpent in the garden. Every time there is the, the snake, God is trying to tell you some of the things that you're attached to is attached to the devil. And you might want to throw it down. And look at this. He threw this thing down. And this thing that was dead came alive. Do you understand that what God is trying to say, if you'll throw it down, if you'll surrender all to him, what was dead in your life will come alive. But if you decide that you want to pick it back up again, you just picked up death again. What you want in your life 
is to be totally committed and totally surrendered to God. You want to be at that place where you know that you know that you know that God spoke to you. And you want to be obedient to that. We, we were praying about that this morning. Sister Harriet was praying, and, and, and I heard her pray concerning obedience. Sister Ursula was praying. I heard her pray concerning obedience. Sister Norma was praying, and I heard, hey, Norma, and I heard her praying concerning obedience. God wants you to be obedient. God wants you to be obedient. Whatever he tells you to throw down, throw it down. And I'm trying to say to you, let it stay down now. Don't pick it back up. Only pick up what God tells you to pick up. And when God tells you to pick up something, I'm telling you it's going to be used by God to show how great is our God. You remember when he picked it back up? Every time he would use that staff, didn't it, think, didn't it help people to see the greatness of God? You remember him standing at, a, at, at, at the Red Sea, and, and he just holds that thing out. Didn't, ever, didn't all who were afraid, didn't all who were fearful and saying, what did you bring us out here for? And he, do, do you realize that when he was in the desert and there was no water, he, he, he held that thing out because he's doing it by direction of God now. In your life, you want to do everything by direction of God. This is why the Bible says to you and I, it says, don't lean to your which is dead. Don't lean to your own understanding. Look to God. God is the author, and he's the finisher of your faith, and everything that God's going to do with you is going to bring you into a level of faith. Now, I keep saying this, and I've been doing this for over 25 years, trying to help this congregation to realize, where does your faith come from? You know this scripture. The, your faith comes by... Faith comes by... Faith come by, faith come by, faith come by. Folks, this is an infinitum. It doesn't say, I'm now a faith person because I heard. It doesn't put that in the past tense for you. It says, morning by morning, you will see new mercies, but you need to hear what thus saith the Lord. You need to be attentive. See, folks, do you realize that on your, your smart devices, and Pat's cousin always says, if your, your device is smart, what does that make you? You need to be smarter than your device. And one thing that you know concerning that device, though something is being said, something is being broadcast, these signals are moving 24-7. But you have to be what? Tuned in. If you want to listen to praise 104.1, you're going to have to tune in. If you're going to listen to, uh, uh, what is it, 95.1? Uh, I'm trying to think of all of the Christian radio stations. 91.9? Whatever, it, in order to get that signal, you must tune in. Look at your neighbor says, let's adjust our receivers. You need to, the Bible says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit, so tune in. Well, you got to get tuned in on the God. I was listening, I was in a conference out in Tulsa one, one year, 
And there was a man of God out there that was a, a, an invited guest to come and minister. And I remember him sharing a story about how he was asked to go to uh, Costa Rica. And I like Costa Rica. I've been to Costa Rica. It's a nice place. Too many banana trees for me, but it's a nice place. Nice and sunny, beautiful beaches and water. And he was invited to go preach the gospel. And all of a sudden, he said, I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go. What do you mean you don't want to go? Here's what he did. Some length of time. For the next 17 hours, after he heard in his spirit, I don't want to go, or got in his spirit, I don't want to go, he just started praying in the Holy Ghost. I don't even want to quiz you this morning, but how long did you pray in the Holy Ghost this week? Do you know you really need to be praying in the Holy Ghost? Why? The book of Jude tells us in the verse 20 of the book of Jude, it says, you're building up yourself in your what? Most holy faith when you pray in the Holy Ghost. This is why I believe that every time you get, a person gets saved, they need to get filled with the Holy Ghost almost immediately. And then I believe that you need to pray in the Holy Ghost every day of your life. In my life, I pray in the Holy Ghost more than I pray in the understanding now. I'm understanding from God that in order for me to be strong, in order for me to get into a place where I'm hearing God, how many of you know that God is a spirit? And he who worship God must worship him in what? And in truth. And so when you're tuning in to God, you're tuning in to spirit. If you're going to worship God, you must worship God in spirit and truth. And you have to be truthful with yourself of whether or not you're tuning in. How many, I, I, I have a, a bold system in my vehicle. It's nice. When you turn it, when you adjust it, the sound is great. But you know what? That bold system is no good unless I turn it on, unless I tune in. See, you can say, well, I'm in Christ, but are you tuned in to Christ? See, folks, most of the time when I hear people and I, and I ask them about your prayer life, I ask them about praying in the Holy Ghost, I hear words like this, I'm really busy, Pastor. I'm really busy. Now, I don't even try to follow up on what you're busy in. Because some of you know your busyness has got nothing to do with God. Got nothing to do with God. And God says, just be truthful. You're letting your busyness get in the way of tuning in so that you can hear my voice. And the Bible says, my sheep know my voice. Do you know you know the voice of God? You may not think you know, but you, the Bible says you do know the voice of God. But we've gotten so used to, I think, going through life where we don't pay attention anymore. Amen? This man who was supposed to go to Costa Rica praying 17 hours, he called the church that was asking him to come and preach, and he says, I'm not coming. And they said, why? We, we, we've done the posters. We, we've done the flyers. Why aren't you coming? And you know what he told them? All I can tell you is that I don't want to. We think that's being rude. 
12 hours later, on the day that he was supposed to catch that flight and go out, that flight crashed. 119 people died. He would have been on it. But he heard God. See, sometimes, folks, God, I know when you hear me saying God speaking to you, you think it's always from his mouth to your ear. Folks, many times it's from direct. It's from his mouth right into your heart. And sometimes it's an impression. You don't really, because sometimes some of you, you hear God, and then you put it into the eye. I think, <laughs> I think the Lord, well, God didn't want you to, it didn't want you to have an I think on it. I know. He says, my sheep know my voice. I know God is speaking to me. What are you getting? An unction. The Bible says this is how the Holy Ghost works in your life. He gives you an unction. Some of you are, when we talk about God, hearing God, you're saying, well, God's got to speak to me directly in Scripture. Did he speak directly in Scripture to Moses? But yet we are, are comfortable knowing that he spoke to Moses. Look, David going to face Goliath, and many of you traveled to Pennsylvania and you saw the dramatization of this. Did God speak directly to David and said, David, thou goest to the camp and thou get a, 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 a slingshot. God didn't speak to him. He, he got an unction. He got an unction. And, and his unction says, I can function because I see God bigger than anything. Goliath is big. And he gave us the dimension of Goliath. And we all determined, yes, he was a really big guy. But, God, but David was functioning with an unction that, my God, say, my God is greater. Come on, somebody shout it. My God is greater. Whatever you're facing this morning, God's trying to get you to hear him. That he's greater than that. He's bigger than that. He's stronger than that. He's more awesome than that. He's more powerful than that. And he wants you to be able to trust him. This is why when you throw things down, you stop leaning through your own understanding on the matter. Well, my training has taught me to know that this is impossible. It's kind of like the, 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 when you, uh, some theologians like to tell this particular story of a man who, he's a scientist, he's, he's really uh, very intuitive, and he's very smart, and everybody acknowledges him as a smart guy, and he comes to the conclusion there was no possible way that all of these people out of Egypt could have crossed the Red Sea. His scientific knowledge tells him it's impossible. How many of you know the Bible says there is nothing impossible with God? And see, when you start putting yourself in there, I guarantee you, you're going to say, that's not possible. And God is trying to get you over out of that realm of where you don't think it's possible. All things are possible. Moses didn't think that he could go and tell Pharaoh. And he said, look, I know Pharaoh is going to resist you. I know he's going to put up a fight. But I want you to go, Moses. I just need you to get in agreement with me and go. And I will show my hand strong. Read chapter 1 of Exodus. I mean, chapter 3 of Exodus and chapter 4. It'll bring it all into uh, uh, clarity for you for what I'm speaking because God is trying to get Moses out of just thinking it's all about him. Nothing is impossible with God. 
Nothing is too hard for God. Nothing is out of the realm of what God can do except not fulfill his word. God will always fulfill his word. God will always fulfill his word. But in our lives, we, we, we say, I, and we put the I back in, God says, I'm trying to get you to get the I out of you. It's no longer, you know the scripture says, it's no longer I, but it's what? Christ in me. This is the hope of glory. See, when you're growing in God, you're realizing more and more that you are throwing aside the I. It's no longer I. You, you realize that God doesn't want you to, to just try to analyze it. God doesn't want you to try to make a logical conclusion. God just wants you to take a faith step. Look, I can speak about this because I'm guilty of it. I was guilty of it for a long time in my life. I, 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 I consider myself to be a kind of smart guy, intelligent, educated. So I should be able to logically make sense of this. And folks, you won't always be able to logically make sense. Come on, what kind of sense does it make? Strike the stone. Get the, get the, get the staff and strike the stone and water is going to come out of it. Does that make logical sense? See, you got to take your logic out, folks. That's all I'm trying to say. Take your logic out and take God's word. Get to the place where you, 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 you know God's voice. You just know his voice. And listening and distinguishing God's voice for your life, it's invaluable. It's essential. Instead of going through life blindly, God wants you to go through life where you have the wisdom of God and you know you've got the wisdom of God and that wisdom is guiding you. He's ordering your steps. He's setting your conversation right. He's showing you things to do and he's telling you some things that you shouldn't do. Just like this man of God says, I didn't want to. What did God do? God put something in him that says, I don't want this. I don't want to go. There was nothing wrong with the people. He wasn't being prejudicial toward the people, but it was just like when people started to ask me to go to a number of different places. In the initial phase of ministry, I went everywhere. People sometimes ask me, where have you been? I, I've been to a lot of countries. When I look at my passport, I've been to a lot of countries. But I also know this, I went to a lot of countries not necessarily being led of God. I went based on invitation. And folks, this is not based on invitation. This is based on revelation. God wants you to get a revelation. That revelation is going to help you to start taking God's steps in your life. Not man's steps. God's steps. And God will order your steps in his word. How many of you have heard the scripture? I know you are familiar with the scripture. He will give you the desires of your heart. Anybody ever heard that scripture? God will give you the desires of your heart. Now, what do you think that scripture means? Talk back to me, please. What do you think that scripture means? God will give you the desires of your heart. The scripture literally says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. 
Open your Bibles, because you're, you're acting like you don't even know what I'm talking about. Psalm 37, verse 4. <laughs> Psalm 37, verse 4. Just turn there. Everyone. Everybody needs a Bible. Everybody needs a Bible. Look, I've got plenty of them. If you don't have one, you said I can't even afford one, I'll give you one, because everybody needs a Bible. When you come to this church, come with a Bible. When you come to this church, come with a notepad. Take some notes. You don't have that photographic memory. You, when that moment when God speaks to you, something is going to resonate in you that didn't even come out of my mouth. But it's coming by the Spirit of God into your hearing. And you need to write that down. I can't tell you how important it is for me to go back through my notes many times when I've sat in sessions and conferences and people were preaching and teaching and I wrote something down that the Lord was revealing to me in that message. It saved my life. It really has saved my life many times to go back and know, thus says the Lord. Look, it's good to have all of this electronic stuff. I mean, we post our, 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 our messages out there on live stream and et cetera, and so sometimes you can go back and archive and find some of those messages, but it's nothing like going to your own notes. It's nothing like being able to go into your own handwriting and realize this was fresh. And God is giving you fresh anointing. Even this day, God is doing something fresh in your life if you'll just pay close attention to it. So Psalm 37, you've had plenty of time to find it now, right now. Psalm 37, verse 4. Alfred, can you help us with that psalm? Psalm, psalm 37, verse 4. Put it up on the screen for us. Psalm verse 37, or, or chapter 37, I should say. And verse 4. Read it. This is an NIV translation, I believe, they put on the screen for us. But just go ahead and read it. Read it together with us. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, most times, and I was guilty of this for a long time, too, I thought the Lord was giving me what I desire. In other words, I was coming up with a list, and the Lord was giving it. No, folks, that's not what it means at all. It means that God will give you the desires. God knows what you need and he will give you what you desire. He's not just saying you looking like you're, you're walking through the mall and says, oh, I want those shoes. Oh, I, 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 I want that dress or I want that suit or I, I, I want that car. I want this or I want that. I want that toy. God puts the desires in you. And God's going to put heavenly desires. Folks, do you know what I desire more? than anything now is to see souls coming into the kingdom of God. You know, I, I think it was William Murphy in, in one of his intros who says, I, I'm tired of all of the stuff that people are in pursuit of. People talking about cars and houses and land and this and that. And he said, do you realize that all of that stuff is going to pass away? Do you desire what God desires? What is God's desire? His desire is that all men might be some of us put all of our value, all of our identity in our job. You know, I'm a this and I'm a that. Are you a child of God? Do you have the desires of God in you? One thing about when God's speaking to you, he's never going to tell you something that's contrary to his will. If you want to be able to put a litmus test to whether it's God speaking to you, 
It will never contradict his word if God speaks to you. It will never contradict his word. I'm trying to give you an example. Thou shalt not commit adultery. You know that, right? Scripture tells us that, right? God tells us that we shouldn't fornicate. They're in the same line. So if I'm in an adulterous relationship and I say, well, the Lord told me to pursue that person. If I'm engaging in an activity, a sexual activity, and I'm not married, do you think that's, that's God speaking to you? Well, God brought him to me. God brought her to me. God is never going to do that and contradict his word. Well, Pastor, I know the Lord. You might know him, but you're sure not obeying him. You might know him, but you're not obeying him. And the Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice. And a lot of us are sacrificing. And we are sacrificing what God has for you. And God has something better than what your flesh is craving after. And he wants you to get to a place where you, you're just still. And you, you be still long enough to let God speak to you. Stop being so busy. Stop letting so many other people speak into your ear and let God speak to you. Do you know the scripture that says, be still and know? See, there are things that you can truly know, but you're going to have to be still so that you can know. How many of you know that sometimes you have to get your children to be still? You're trying to pass something on to them, but they're just jumping around, fluttering all around. You said, be still. And we're children of God, but we've got to learn how to be still. We've got to learn how in, in, in the, the early mornings of the hours, if he wakes you up, or whether it's in the late hours of the night and God has got you up, be still. Come on, communication. We talk about effective communication. Effective communication is not effective communication if I do all the talking. We're not communicating, are we? So if you are in your prayer time and all you think you're supposed to do in prayer is talk, You know that even in business world, they tell you one of the most seemingly the most uncomfortable thing for people is silence. If I stand in the pulpit and I'm silent for 30 seconds, 45 seconds, people are like, what's wrong? What's wrong? Is pastor okay? Sometimes in the move of God and worship, we don't know how to be still anymore. We always think that we got to be moving. We got to be doing something. Got to be. Sometimes God is just uh, like, "Shut up, take your shoes off, relax, let me move." How many of you know you're really in a comfortable place when you can take your shoes off? Come on, you ever been to somebody's house and it was it was okay to take your shoes off in their house? In Canada, those of you who are familiar with traveling in Canada, you know, you, you don't go in anybody's home without taking your shoes off. So I always just pack me some bedroom shoes. 
because I know when I step into their house, first thing that I'm supposed to do is to remove my shoes. I think it's a good practice. It's very sanitary. But God is not talking about it from a sanitary standpoint. He's talking about it from just getting comfortable. And sometimes you have to be comfortable with a little silence so that you can hear. He who has an ear, that in, and what is he going to hear? Hear what the Spirit is saying. God's heard what you're saying. He gave you your turn. Have you given God his turn to speak back to you? I don't know if we teach enough on the fact that you have to be still. I don't know if I teach enough on the fact that after I pray, I get quiet. I don't know if you know that I keep a notepad right beside me in my personal prayer time because I expect God to speak. Now, I'm going to be very clear with you. When I share with you that God speaks, it's mostly on impression. This is why I'm not trying to shame anybody. I'm not trying to bully anybody. But when people come and they've got all of this rhetoric that God has said to them, it's like, really don't believe it. Because most of the time, God is not speaking to you in a lot of paragraphs and sentences. Sometimes it's just one word. It's just like here, this whole series that we're preaching on and teaching on, the only word that I got from the Lord was essential. And I heard that word for two straight mornings in my prayer time, essential. I said, how did you hear it? Not in my ear. It just impressed upon me. Essential. There are things that are essential. Essential for you to do. Essential for you to know. Essential. And then as you take that one word and begin to pursue it, you begin to start defining it. I went to a dictionary and I looked at, do I even know the definition of essential? Sometimes it's just going to another demarcation. Okay, now I'm understanding the meaning of essential. Now let me look at Scripture. And see, what, what, what was Jesus doing after those 40 days after he was resurrected? What was he doing? What was he trying to impress upon the heart of his apostles, his followers? Let's go there real quick. It's, it's, it, when all this is said and done about essentials, when all this is said and done about hearing God's voice, this is still going to be where it comes back. After I, This is not in your, your, your repertoire back there, but go to Acts chapter 2. We're going to go to the first verse. We're going to go down for a, a, a little while in Acts chapter 2 because if you don't get the essentials, you won't get to the commission. You won't fulfill what you're commissioned to do. See, God doesn't commission you. And, and I, I served in the military, and you all know that. Most of you know that. But I, I served in the military. Miss Pat served in the military. And we were commissioned. We, were, we didn't get our commission to just sit around. When, when, when people put bars and, and, and stripes and stars on your shoulder, it's not for you just to sit around. It's for you now to take some action. So in Psalms 2, Alfred, are you with me? Psalms 2? I mean, Acts chapter 2? Okay, bring that up. The, the second chapter of Acts, the first verse. Look at, look at this. He says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. 
Now, Alfred, take us back to help us to understand what had to happen for them to get here, for the fullness to come, for the fullness. There's something that, that, that God is saying. When the church comes into its fullness, you're going to see mountains move. You're going to see miracles and wonders following you every day. Not just a day or someday or Sunday. You're going to see this every day. Because these are things that follow believers. But the believer must believe in God. And must surrender to God. So we're going back to Acts chapter 1. Take us back there now. And we're going to come back to chapter 2. This is not in my notes. But this is a move. And I know where God is trying to move us to. He's trying to move you to that point where you understand how important it is to evangelize. You understand how important it is for your children to be saved now. Every parent in here stand up. I just got to pray for you for just a few seconds. Because it's important for your children to be saved now. You, you cannot go another week, another day without your children coming into the kingdom of God. If any of your children are not into the uh, Noah's Ark, as we call it today, not in the safety of the blood of Jesus Christ, this day I declare and I decree that your children shall come. Those of you who your children are in now, I pray and thank you that they would be fortified, that they would be surrounded, that they would never move to the left or to the right, that they would press in and they would press hard after God. Early in the morning, they're going to rise and they're going to seek God. The Lord will be on their hearts. The word of God will be in their mouth. They will meditate in God's word day and night. They will be prosperous. They will have good success. No weapon formed against them will prosper. And tongues that may rise up against them in judgment, God will condemn and prove them wrong. God will protect them. Because the enemy is desiring to kill, to steal, and destroy. But God will protect them. And that's why it's important for them to know God's voice. This is why I shared about that particular minister. His name is Andrew Womack, if you all are wondering, who is it that pastor is talking about? It was Andrew Womack. He was getting ready to go to Costa Rica. And God told him, you don't want to go. He put that desire in his heart. You don't want to go. What was God doing? Protecting him. Folks, I can tell you countless stories of how God protected me. And I can tell you some of the things where I got in trouble because I didn't listen to God. I just brushed it off. Don't brush these things off. This morning, what God is speaking over your children is extremely important. Sit back down. Go ahead and sit back down. Alfred's getting us to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. He says, the former account I made of Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to, to do and to teach. Verse 2, if we could, please. And, and until the day in which he was taken up, after he threw the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. You see Jesus still working through the Holy Ghost, working through the Holy Ghost, working through the Holy Ghost. And now he's trying to give his apostles to understand everything that you do in your life, you've got to work through the Holy Ghost. It's got to be the work of the Holy Ghost. It's got to be the leading and the guidance of the Holy Ghost. To whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering for many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Whenever God's speaking to your life, 
he's speaking to you about things that pertain to the kingdom of God. So well, he spoke to me about my children. Why did he speak to you about your children? Because it's pertaining to the kingdom of God. God wants you to be like Joshua was. As for me and my house, we're going to, what, serve the Lord. My children shall not perish. They shall not die. They shall not die in sin. They shall not be sinners. They'll be saved. They'll walk in righteousness. They'll walk in holiness. They'll walk in godliness. They're surrounded with God's favor like a shield. They're blessed when they come in, blessed when they go out, blessed in the city. And sometimes, yes, you are calling things that be not as though they were. They might not be in that place right now, but you believe God. Say, I believe God. So I say what God said in that circumstance, though my children may be acting like they're out of their mind. But I'm declaring they shall have the mind of Christ. They shall not be conformed to this world. They will be transformed by the renewing of their mind. I am declaring that God will minister to them, that God will send witnesses to minister to them, that God will use my voice to minister. That they should live and not die. Folks, it's okay to be bold and to be courageous about speaking what God says over your children. I don't know if you realize this. Where are we now? 134 days have already elapsed. 134 days. This 15th day of May, 134 days. My, Mr. Art, time is flying, isn't it? And we don't have to throw a clock out the window to see time fly. It's flying. Time is flying. People are dying. God's trying to get his church alive and well. He wants you to throw some things down so that he can tell you and show you what he can make alive in your life. And being a summons of devil with him, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. There are some places where you just got to be still and know that he's God. Be still. So he, he said, don't depart. Don't get so busy. Don't get in such a hurry. You know, in my mind, I'm going to tell you, during this COVID period, in my mind, when we were literally, as it were, forced to go into a virtual room, I enjoyed being here on Wednesday night teaching Bible study. But the mandate of COVID and, 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 and certain mandates of the government says you, you can't gather. And, 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 and so I said, well, we've got a virtual platform, so I'm sure now we'll have more people joining in prayer. That meter moved for the first three months. And somehow, we got busy again. And that meter went like this. And for the last two and a half years, it's been like this. I would have thought, I don't have to drive to uh, 2120-A Industrial Parkway, so surely I can take my smart device and get smarter in the things of God, but it hadn't happened. When they talked about viewership of CNN, it's way up. Viewership of Fox, way up. Viewership of NBC, MSNBC, and streaming and all other things, way up. 
We would have thought, I would have, this is Pastor Stephanie. I was thinking, man, this is going to be the time when the church will arise. But we got busy. We got busy. We got actually more busier in this virtual world. Netflix says, man, we're raising our prices because, wow, folks are out here binging. Do you know what binging is? You know, when it comes to television, you know what binging is? Whitney, do you know what binging is? Tell me what binging is. I know you don't have a mic. I'll, I'll, I'll say it. Watching a series back to back to back. This was sometimes it used to take us a whole year to watch that particular programming. Now people are binging and they're watching it in one day run. Twelve hours. Netflix says their average television watch is six and a half hours, child. Six and a half hours. Just think of what you could have learned from God in six and a half hours. Tell me how far Netflix is going to take you in life. To the poorhouse. Because now that they've got you hooked, it's kind of like cigarettes. You know, do you know they were giving cigarettes away for free when the cigarettes were first being manufactured? They were just dropping them and everybody was picking them up and puffing them. How many of you remember when you used to get a telephone for 99 cents? I know I'm dating myself. You young people are looking at me and saying, you paid, they paid a thousand dollars. We got phones for one dollar. One dollar. Nobody would ever be thinking about paying a thousand dollars for a telephone. One dollar. But they got you hooked. Do you know when you, the, the, even the, the, the drug addict will give the, 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 the user some drugs. My younger brother was hooked at one time on crack cocaine. And, and I asked him about it and he said, they gave it to me at first. And then he got hooked. Whew. Oh, God. I am just going to do what you tell me to do. Somebody you have been struggling with an addiction, I've got to pray for you right now. Don't be, don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. But you've been struggling with addiction. There's been something in your life for a long time. I don't know what your addiction is. But I want to pray for you because God wants to loose you with power this morning. Give me some oil. Whoever that is, God's about to move in your life in a powerful way. You're never going to be the same. You're never going to be the same. Who are you? Please come. Please hear God. You've been struggling with an addiction. Whatever it is. Whatever that is. Whatever that addiction is. There is no shame in the house of the Lord. There's no walk of shame. There are always walks of gain. I try to share with people. There are walks of gain. You've been struggling with that addiction. You come. Because the Lord wants to deliver you. The Lord wants to set you free. You are never going to be bound. You're never going to be crippled. You're never going to be restricted. You're never going to go back to what you used to be and where, what used to just call your name. You will hear the voice of God. And God will call your name. And you will follow hard after him. And early in the morning, you will just rise and seek him. And you will hear him. You will receive from him. You will embrace the things. And you will run the race that he has called you to run. You will see the goodness of 
the Lord. Mm, mm, she's right. It's running after you. God's goodness is just running after you, sister. It's running after you. Addiction, we break the power of addiction. We break the power that has brought so much affliction, has brought so much pain, has brought so much debility. I mean, it's just been disabling. It's been a disabler in your family for too long. It's caused you to miss so much that God has for you, but you're not going to miss it again. God is doing a new thing. God is moving in your home, moving in your life, taking away the taste for it, taking away even the sound of that voice. My sheep know my voice, and the voice of a stranger it won't follow father whatever it is I don't need to know you don't need to know it ain't our business but what it is is God's business this morning he says I'm moving in this person's life I'm breaking every chain I'm breaking every drawback I'm breaking every stronghold and pullback in their life and they're going to press toward the mark of the high calling that is in Christ Jesus, Father, we thank you. You know, B.B. and C.C. Winer made a song that said, if you're going to be addicted, be addicted to love. Y'all didn't even know what they were singing about when they were singing that song back in the day. They were dancing in the clubs to it. But they were trying to help people to realize, if you're going to get addicted, get addicted to love. Look, my younger brother lost much of his life incarcerated because drugs... Sin will take you further than you ever wanted to go. And sin will keep you longer than you ever planned to stay. Much of his life was, I mean, he, he lost so much with his children. You know, you, you can't be a father in prison. Not really. You can be biologically referred to as father. But you really can't do and minister the way you need to minister in your home as a father. Come on. I don't think any. I, I, we go to incarceration facilities prior to, to COVID. And, and it used to break my heart, especially when I go on a Sunday and I see all these little kids in an incarceration facility. It just break my heart. Some days I would turn around and have to wipe the tears from my eyes because I said no child should have to come to visit dad. And in I don't care if you're young or old. It'll break your heart. And see, that's what sin does. Sin keeps calling you and saying, it's all right. And the voice of God that we are not paying attention to, God is calling you. And you know what he said? I'm calling you. I'm translating you is what the, 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 the translation says. I'm translating you out of what? Darkness. Over into where? A light. A marvelous light, the Bible describes it as. A marvelous light. And God has a marvelous light for you. Go back to Acts chapter 1. Ah, time is just moving so quickly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 1. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart. You remember where we were? There's some places where you just have to tarry and wait upon the Lord. I will wait upon the Lord. I will wait upon the Lord. Someone say that with me. I will wait upon the Lord. Say it again. I will wait upon the Lord. 
wait for what? He says, wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. Say, I, say I've heard. heard. Say it again, I've heard. heard. And he who has an ear, the Bible says, you need to hear. You need to hear. Let, let's go on just a little bit further, and I'll try to finish it. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. I like that part. I don't like to leave that out. Not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Folks, I, I, I don't get into trying to give you a whole lot of teaching on eschatology and the coming and when Jesus is coming. Just somebody shout, he's coming. coming. Shout it out again, he's coming. He is coming. I don't know the day. I don't know the hour. That's why I must be in. I, I, there's an expression that we use. I think it's commonly used now. It says, your best you. Your best you. Your best you is no longer you. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. If you want to find your best you, it's not what you can do. It's what God can do. You remember Robert Kennedy says, he says, ask not what you can, well, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. I think God kind of spun that for us and said, don't ask what you can do. Just look, wait and see what the Lord's going to do for you. But you're going to have to wait on the Lord. You're going to have to tarry. You're going to have to invest some time. Andrew Womack, when he was talking about this plane that crashed, 119 people killed, 17 hours praying in the Holy Ghost. And some of us struggle with 17 minutes, 17 seconds. 134 days have already elapsed in the year of 2022. Can you summarize how many days you prayed? How many minutes you prayed? See, spending time in God and with God it's more important than some of the stuff that we've got ourselves caught in. And some of you, you're going to have to throw it down and follow God. I mean, just follow God. When I was thinking back this morning, I said, 19 weeks, God, it's been 19 weeks already? Yeah, 19 weeks. If you're wondering how many more days before Christmas, 224. Yeah, it'll be around again. God is doing some great things, folks. He's doing some great things in our midst. He's doing some great things. And so I sat there at my desk this morning and I said, 3,216 hours. That's how many days that God has, how many hours God has given me in this year of 2022. What have I done with 3,216 hours? Have I even given 10% of that to God? Or have I robbed God? Will a man rob God? You remember that question? I know you hear it most of the times when people are preaching about or, or getting ready to receive an offering. But it's not just how we rob God in terms of those things. Script. We're talking about do you rob God of time that you could be giving? We're talking about getting to the point where you, you know God. Look, if I were to dial 
my wife's phone number, and I was thousands of miles away. Do you know immediately when she hears my voice? She'd call my name. She'd recognize. That's what God wants in the relationship with you. When he calls your name, you know it's God. You know it's God. How many of you know Michael Jordan? Raise your hand real high. You know Michael Jordan. No, you don't. You know about him. You know about him. If he called you today, even if he just accidentally called you, you wouldn't know it was him. You'd be, who is this? You got the wrong number. You'll be calling my phone. You'd be saying, I'm blocking you. You don't know him. But God says you can know him. You, you can know the God who said, let there be light. You can know the God, and God wants to know you, and God does know you. God knows you. You know, even when he asked Moses, he says, Moses, what's in your hand? Do you think that God didn't know what was in Moses' hand? But he was saying, what's in your hand, Moses, you depend on it. You don't depend on me. I put that in your hand. I put that in your hand, but you, you, you thought you put it in your hand. And you've identified with it. Identify with God is all I'm trying to get you to see today. Identify with God. Get to the point. I haven't given you that litmus test, and I'm, I'm going to have to preach it. Uh, there will be somebody in the pulpit on next Sunday. I'll, I promise you I'll come right back after that, and we'll pick this right back up. Because it's essential that you know the voice of God. Here's the thing I want you to know today. Get it out of your mind that God's going to speak to you in an audible voice all the time. I am closer to 70 than I am to 60 now. Much closer. And in those nearly 70 years now, once. You say audible? Once. Pastor, how long have you been walking with God? And Pat and I have been married 42 years. And we were both walking with God before we got married. So, you know, it, it's been nearly 50 years of truly knowing God. Just knowing him. And I know his voice. But I know this. Most of the time when God's speaking to me, it's going to be an impression. It's going to be an unction. And if God's speaking to you, it's going to be an impression that you get. It's going to be that consciousness that God's going to speak to you. So when you hear me in this pulpit the next time, I'm going to show you just how God spoke to people in the Old Testament and in the New Testament so that you can start to better identify when you're saying God said or is God speaking. You won't be thinking that, oh, well, I didn't hear God because I didn't hear no voice. Well, you're not going to have that experience like uh, uh, John the Baptist when he baptized Jesus. You remember what he said? The heavens opened up and there was a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son. You say, I am beloved. Say it again, I am beloved. You are loved by God. You are truly loved by God. But I want you to understand, oftentimes he's not going to be speaking to you in an audible voice. It's going to be that impression, and you've got to learn how to be aware of that impression. 
aware of his voice and then respond. So I've got to take my time to help you to see this. So some of the paradigm shifts that we've got to make, we've got to make them now. The time is flying and people are dying. Some of, our, some of them are our own family members. Yesterday, in Buffalo, New York, a man drives for hours. It reminded me of what happened in South Carolina when the young man just drove and went into the church and decided I would just, just randomly start shooting people. But this man drove to a, 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 a place of business with evil and hatred in his heart, killing ten people, three people critically hospitalized. That's that, that a camera so he could live stream it. And folks, Buffalo, New York wasn't the only place that people got killed yesterday. If you would go, as it were, from state to state, somebody got killed yesterday. If you would go from country to country, somebody got killed yesterday. People are rallying on Capitol Hill. You gotta decide where do you stand. I can't tell you where to stand, but the Bible can. If you get into the Bible, you're gonna know where where to stand. Now, if you want to sit down and have a one-on-one with me, in fact, Pastor, where do you stand on all of this when it comes to the Supreme Court? I'd love to sit down and talk to you one-on-one, but I won't preach then. I always can tell you, God came back. You might have what? And that you might have it what? There are a lot of variables that you have to have to talk about. Uh, does, does, does God condone, condone abortion? Some people will say, well, Pastor, what if the lady got raped? What, what is she supposed to do? You still have to weigh that through the word. Everything. The Bible, this is why the Bible says, you got to acknowledge God in what? All your ways. And he will direct your path. These are things that I can't preach, but it's things that we must sit down and talk about. Because the church has got to take a stand. And I don't think it's just running around with posters. There's something that's got to be written on the tables of your heart. I don't think you can legislate righteousness. You can't legislate holiness. This has got to be from you hearing Thus saith the Lord. And then making choices. Not your choice, but God's choice. A God choice is better than your choice. A God choice is better than my choice. A God choice is better than all of our choices together. And one word from the Lord changes everything. We need to get a word from the Lord. Somebody say, we need a move move is moving closer to God and having an ear to hear what the Spirit's saying. Rinka, where are you? Good to have Sonny in the house. Good to have Sonny. This is so important to hear God. I remember one time there was someone, and I was getting a lot of buzz. This is early on in ministry coming up. 
was getting a lot of buzz in my ear. Go ahead and take the track home. Um, and this is one of the times where, how many of you, you you've ever done something and you kind of know right away that you shouldn't have done that? And, and sometimes where you thought it was God. But you realize it didn't. This is why I want to give you litmus tests to make sure you know it was God. But that was a person that God said, don't promote that person. What? How many of you know sometimes you can get other people get in your ear more than you start hearing the ear of God? And sure enough, I didn't obey God. I didn't hear him. I didn't listen. I didn't follow through on what he was saying. I followed through on what they were saying. This is why God says you've got to be more careful that you don't become men pleasers, but you stay what? A God pleaser. And it pleases God when you obey God. So, of course, I'm, I, I can't even tell you how much chaos and divisiveness that caused. Won't call that person's name, but the Lord had already warned me, don't do this, but I did it. And folks, God is faithful and just to forgive you. I saw someone try to stay out of that. And sometimes we make big blunders. And, and, and God doesn't want you to walk through life blundering, falling. He does say, sometimes we fall down, we get back up, great. But isn't it better to stay upright than to keep falling? God doesn't want you to go through life just falling, 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 get back up. Uh, you know, I, old preachers used to preach messages like this, sometimes up and sometimes down and sometimes almost level to the ground. So, man, that sounds like a roller coaster. If you all don't know this, I don't like roller coasters. Ain't no need of me getting out there screaming and yelling. <laughs> Last time I went on a roller coaster, my nephews were on a roller coaster with me. We were down in King Dominion. Nobody told me they took pictures while you were on those things. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, when we got off, they wanted to buy the pictures. I'm like, what pictures? My nephew looked at me, my expression on that picture. He said, Uncle Horace, were you scared? <laughs> why, should I, why should I put fear in me? I don't want a roller coaster. God says, I'll order your steps. Let your steps be ordered by God. Let your steps be ordered by God. Those of you who are viewing, those of you who are listening, let's get to the place where we stop being forgivers. And let's hear God. I'm challenging you this Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. Whole church. Let's get on prayer line. Whole church. How many of you will get on prayer line on Wednesday night? Folks, I, 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 there, are just, there are just things that you have to set aside and do. It may seem like too direct. I'm coming at, I, I am coming at you direct. I'm telling you, this is something that the Lord wants us to do. The Bible says a man ought to what? Always pray. Well, I pray, I pray. Yes, there is an individual time. I have my individual time. Most of the time when you hear me, I'm talking about my individual time. But I also know the importance of corporate prayer. This is what Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2 is talking about. Churches, the church getting in one accord. Let's get in one accord. Let's pray. Folks, I don't want to see COVID hit, go back up on the rise again. I don't want us to get low in. 
One of the things I like is military history. If you ever were buying me books, buy me books on military history. I read a lot about it. And one of the things I like reading about is the Vietnam War. And one portion that I've read in the Vietnam War was when this particular incident took place. The Viet Cong said this about Americans. They let their guards down on their holidays. That's when we will attack. There was something called the Tet, T-E-T, Tet Offensive. Because they said they let their guards down. I am just simply telling you, you and I cannot let our guards down. The Bible says a man ought to always pray. Everybody read what, can you see that? I know the cross is there, maybe partially blocking, but can you see it? Read it. Think of those who are watching, you probably couldn't see it, but that's 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse number 14. God has not changed his mind about that. God has not changed his mind, and God will do what he said he would do. Amen. Welcome, Brother Yinka, as he shares some uh, good news with you. Thanks again for joining us today. Here at Rainbow Family, our mission is to love God, love people, and change the world. If you would like to partner with us in any way, we encourage you to visit our website at rainbowfamilychristian.org.